Hi, everyone, and welcome to a podcast brought to you by the teams at JetRails and uh, our guests today, Collins Harper. Uh, we've got Alex Pawlowski back with us, and uh, we've got Tom Pachalski and Robert Rand here at JetRails. Uh, gentlemen, you want to say your hellos? Hello, Hello. Tom Pachalski here. Alex Pawlowski here. And today we're going to be talking to you about... Uh, business to consumer, B2C, uh, as it relates to Magento open source and uh, Magento commerce. Um, as some of us that have been around for a while would think of them, Magento community and enterprise. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about the front end and um, how, uh, how retailers can benefit from the features in Magento commerce, um, or perhaps can, uh, can add certain extensions or, or make customizations in order to get more functionality out of Magento open source, especially those merchants um, that are still uh, SMB, that are still growing um, and aren't, in a, aren't yet ready to budget for Magento Commerce, or perhaps because they, you, know, you might not need uh, the full suite of Magento Commerce features, and so you might want to take that licensing budget and put it toward uh, marketing, development, other things that we'll get to talk a little bit about. Um, and so... Uh, that uh, should be a pretty spirited conversation. However, um, we are tackling this piece by piece. So uh, today's episode will be, you know, front end and uh, and retail driven. We are planning uh, here at JetRails to make this uh, a little bit of a mini series. So uh, we're considering future episodes that'll talk about Magento in a B two B capacity. Um, that'll talk about marketing back-end uh, admin features uh, of the platform variations, the elasticity and scalability of Magento Commerce versus open source and um, things that you can do around that. Um, and we're certainly open to your suggestions and, and your requests as we plan out uh, additional episodes. So by all means, feel free to reach out to us um, at JetRails on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, via our site at, at JetRails.com. And I know that the Collins Harper team uh, welcome your feedback as well, and, and are always happy to, to consult. Um, and so let's uh, start off by, just by talking a little bit about some of the core differences between uh, Magento open source and Magento commerce. And, uh, you know, Tom, do you want to start off a little bit from your perspective, uh, you know, things that, that you run into merchants um, comparing when they look at these systems? Um, and anything, you know, relating to the licensing or, uh, you know, decision points that, that you run into? Well, let me just start off by saying that I've had a lot of discussions uh, recently. A, a lot of commerce clients, enterprise clients, I've these conversations are just happening time and time again. They are moving away from commerce and getting into open source. And it's just been this trend that I've seen over the past couple of months. And I think this has to do with, um, well, there are many variables, but uh, I'd like to get a, a little bit of an idea on, uh, you know, from the Collins Harper team as to the biggest features that they've seen that uh, are, are helping people move away from, com or from commerce into a community. Uh -huh. Yeah, I said that. Go ahead. Rob. Yeah, I mean, Alex, would you say that the is the licensing the the biggest question? Is it the the dollars and cents that yeah uh, that you see merchants running up against? Uh, you know, uh, several features. So as we know, first of all, it would be good probably to compare the um, um, open source and uh, commerce uh, or you know community edition as it was known before in commerce uh, in terms of uh, features and functionality. There is a little bit of a difference, but it comes at a price as well. Um, so uh, the average price um, point uh, to pay for the uh, commerce edition is about $30,000, sometimes more with uh, if additional features. But at the same time, those customers that do pay for the commerce edition, they still do not do the sites themselves. They employ professionals, they employ developers, uh, SI service integrators to add on extensions to uh, develop their site for them. So they're thinking where uh, they can spend $30,000 uh, better. And uh, if they pay 30000 for the license, they still have to pay for the development. So some of them are thinking to take the 30000 away from 
the license and uh, spend it on development anyway. But the question back to Tom in terms of the difference of uh, functionality and features between the two, uh, what, uh, what do you see on your end? <clears throat> well, from, from basically from my point of view, uh, I've had a, a couple of conversations with uh, some clients about PCI being PCI compliant. And when you take a look at uh, Magento's uh, page, they've got uh, you know a little column for open source. They've got a little column for commerce. And they have a little checkbox next to uh, Magento Commerce for PCI compliant and an open space for <laughs> open source. And that just kind of uh, uh, it makes me scratch my head a little bit because the question is, well, if I'm on commerce, then do I still have to run my scans? Am I going to be PCI compliant all the time or is that being handled? Or am I still, you know, getting an authorized uh, vendor to, to run a scan on the site? And I think the answer to that question is, well, you, I think you still need to get your site scanned. So I'm kind of curious as to why maybe those, that checkbox is still open. You know, I looked at this, I, I looked at it too, and uh, I was very much curious as well. We, we build a lot of uh, payment extensions at uh, Collins Harper, so I'm very much familiar with the PCI compliance requirements, different levels of compliance, and et cetera, et cetera. The bottom line is the responsibility for PCI compliance is on the merchant's end, is on the uh, shopkeepers or owners, business owners' end. It is their responsibility, but the fact that uh, Magento uh, or the and or the parent company Adobe put a check mark of being PCI compliant on the commerce edition and left that check mark out from the community or open source edition is baffling to me. Because do they suggest that the uh, community edition is not PCI compliant? That means any 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 potential hack or a breach uh, they're responsible for. <laughs> that means, but you know, on the on the um, to clarify. Meta, uh, everything that is on the marketplace, on Magento Marketplace, official extensions that are payment extensions and stuff, I extensively checked by Magento team. Uh, when we submit our extensions, like from personal experience, even when we submit our payment extensions to Marketplace, they are uh, very, very um, under scrutiny in terms of PCI compliance and uh, so that it doesn't break uh, anything else. So everything that is on Magento Marketplace, you know, I can't say everything, but I strongly believe that everything payment related on Magento Marketplace is PCI compliant because if it is not, then uh, there is a huge uh, potential liability for Magento. So the, the thing that they left out the check mark on the um, community edition or open source as they call it now is uh, I think just a marketing uh, uh, well, you know, cur uh, you, know, than you might else. use, uh, if you're on uh, the, the enterprise version, if you're on Magento Commerce, you might use their PCI uh, compliant payment bridge or such. You might have some additional uh, payment extensions uh, th that are included, modules that are included off the shelf um, so that you don't necessarily need an extension for it. But, but Alex, I'm with you. Generally speaking, you can use lots of hosted uh, you know, payment, uh, you know, options, um, you know, where it's very much going to meet your PCI compliance needs. You can also snap in place a system like Bolt, which will take over the checkout, um, in essence, and, uh, and really handle a lot of the checkout optimization as, as well as uh, PCI compliance and, and what have you. So, you know, th there is that, that I, I, it might be overplaying the hand a bit, um, you know, although I, I think that there is some functionality that, that you can get. Uh, with that enterprise license for it, um, you know. But coming back to to pricing, and you know, you mentioned thirty thousand as an average. I know that um, you know the pricing certainly goes up based upon your uh, you know the, the size of your site, in essence, the, the revenue that you're you're pushing through the site. Um, but it's an annual fee. So if you think about the cost of developing uh, the site on open source and maintaining it versus the the cost of uh, developing and maintaining in commerce. Uh, over what would you say, Alex? The average lifetime of one of these sites is these days—three uh, years, four years, five years. Oh, you know, that's a very, very good question. So, first of all, I agree with you on the price. It comes from thirty thousand and up. So, a lot of people are thinking, "Where? What can I buy with this thirty thousand? Thirty thousand buys them license and a little bit of functionality, such as business-to-business -business marketing." 
backend features, the site builder, um, uh, gift cards uh, integration and such. But, you know, site builder, is the shop owner going to sit and uh, who paid 30000 and develop the site itself? No, it's still the developers are going to do it. And then they don't use this site builder, for example, right? They use their own internal tools that they're used to. But coming back to your question in terms of life um, span of a site, that's a very difficult question because the site starts as um, one thing and two years later, it's the same domain name, but the site might, is completely different, right? Through the updates and um, the visual uh, improvements and functionality improvements and so on and so forth. So I'd say the life cycle of a site is, as you said, two, three years. Uh, but, you know, define the same site. The domain name is the same, <laughs> but the yeah. site is, is growing, expanding, and changing um, exponentially. It, it's almost like a house that you don't want to actually move into a house, pay closing costs, deal with, yes. with, uh, with, with all the expense and, and moving companies and things if you're gonna, not going to stay for a certain number of years. Um, and so I, I suppose I've always felt the same with e-commerce, that you really want to go onto a platform that you're going to get enough years out of before you have to worry about. Um, now, you might be redesigning your the front end of your site in between, um, but, but you're not going to want to migrate your data and, um, and do too much uh, unnecessarily. You're going to want to try to avoid that. So... Um, you know, yeah, so people stick around. Founding, <laughs> you know, cost. I, I'd also say, you know, hopefully on Magento Commerce, you're going to use fewer extensions because there are there are more included. There's more, you know, it's more feature rich. Um, I, I, at the heart of it, uh, Magento Open Source is is the backbone of Magento Commerce. If you want to think of it that way, um, that really Magento Commerce, you've for the most part, um, you've added modules and features. Um, and so hopefully some of those, you know, cut down on, on your need for uh, the addition of, of extensions and customizations. Uh, you know, you're also getting some support. From what I've seen on average, you're going to get faster uh, and, and more curated responses from your developers, uh, from your hosts, uh, folks like all of us on the line um, who know the site better and, and who have better turnaround times on that sort of... Uh, oh, that's that's a very interesting point, Rob. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. About, about response time, that's very interesting. You know, I, uh, a couple of days back, uh, was privy to a table from Magento that um, lists the response time um, for different support issues. Um and um, I know you looked at it too. Uh, so that is um, the response time varies. I'll put it this way from Magento end. Um, unless it is a extreme urgent matter uh, that affects your whole site being down, the response time is within days. Um, yeah, other than that, it's hours. So mostly they, maybe that's the difference also between the commerce and the uh, an open source with open source, uh, they always refer you to the um, forums and uh, you know kind of do it yourself thing. Um, unless you have a hosting provider like like yourself, like JetRails, that answers uh, within twenty minutes, if not less, and has not only the answer but a meaningful uh, solution to the issue. Uh, other than that, you will be restricted to posting forums and wait for somebody qualified or unqualified to answer this um with a with a with the uh, commercial with the commerce uh, they actually will respond to you but uh, they take sometimes uh, days to do so unless it's super super urgent yeah. so chances are you're probably going to go to your your developers and and hopefully uh you know your host for resolution regardless because it's quite yeah uh, you know, you'll end up there happen. anyway yes yeah yeah because you know what what is cost of of lost potential uh, opportunity uh in if your site is down several hours or several days depending on the size of your business so, you know only a shop owner or, or maybe not, not can completely calculate. down but let's say that you know that you've got an issue that's costing you money that Oh, I'll give you an example. You know, the, uh, I got a, uh, for example, the weekend clearance, right? And the weekend clearance uh, uh, page is is down. The site is up, but or the clearance inventory database is uh, is kaput. Uh, you know what you're gonna do? Yeah. And it's uh, it's Thursday, right? So tomorrow is Friday, and then the weekend clearance starts. What you're going to do? I'm not going to wait for Magento to answer. I'm going to hail my developers and uh, say, D just do it. Yeah. yeah. Eat, well, that, eat up that the cost. You, 
brings me to another topic, uh, actually, that I've been hearing about a lot of chatter about this now with uh, Magento Commerce. Now they it comes with the Magento hosted cloud, and uh, they're claiming some some easy uh, deployment uh, on, on their list. And that's not been the feedback that I've received from all the different development teams that that I've worked with. Uh, have you, Alex, experienced anything with the deployments or anything in that category? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I got stories to tell you. I got stories to tell you. But I'll give you one um, widespread example that everybody's talking about is deployment and uh, further troubleshooting on um, commerce, which is uh, now cloud as well, is, um, is troublesome. Uh, why is because on cloud version of Magento specifically, uh, the logs are spread over a few servers and it's very hard for my developers specifically to go hunt for pieces of information here and there. Uh, it doesn't propagate on time. It takes time to hunt down the logs and, uh, Normally, um, I can't say it's broken, but it takes more time to um, hand down errors and fix cloud solutions from Magento rather than um, open source when it's all in one place. But that brings me to a second question back to you, Tom, about uh, redundancy and um, also expendability. Uh, specifically, if there is a weekend, coming back to my example, a weekend sale where my traffic is expected throughout the year, but certain times of the year, like weekend sale, like Christmas and so on and so forth, the clearance, I expect 10 times the traffic. Uh, what's, uh, if, if my client is on um, community edition or open source, it is called now, what, what, what are you going to do? Well, to start off with, I guess I could share a, a couple of different examples, but uh, let me start off with a, what I've been hearing with um, Magento Commerce and, and the Magento Hosted Cloud Solution, where, yes, it's on AWS, and yes, it's scalable to a certain degree, but sometimes there are some limitations that uh, that some of the clients are running into. So with uh, open source, you know, you, it's it's the same thing. Right. It just depends on what the structure of the environment looks like. If you're getting, if you have predictable, and it comes down to predictable versus unpredictable traffic. And I still don't understand why <laughs> um, this shiny AWS thing uh, exists for everybody in their own mind, because it isn't always for everybody. Right. Um, you know, you might have uh, a sale that you're running and you've been running this sale every year and you know that you're going to get two and a half times the amount of traffic or three or four or five times that, uh, the amount of traffic that you normally do. If that traffic is always predictable for you, then why do you want to overspend on, on AWS? You can be in a bare metal solution that's clustered out, and then you can add web nodes into the rotation to handle those spikes in traffic. A little bit of planning in advance, but you, you get that done, and then you remove those web nodes. It's very cost-effective, very efficient, and you get a lot of bang for your buck. Is now, it cheaper than $30,000? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, a, a lot cheaper. Um, but on a, let's say you have unpredictable traffic patterns, right? Maybe you, you're, you know, you've got a celebrity and your, your celebrity is doing some tweets and you've got this new shoe that you're coming out with and Kim Kardashian is walking down the runway and you know, she's got her shoes, your shoes on. So you don't know, um, you know, when, when she does that tweet, how many people are going to hit your site. Now, in that case, AWS is the way to go. You know, you, you can set up, um, you know, a, a budget for how many nodes you want to have, uh, how high up you want to scale. And, you know, there, there are fewer limitations there. So commerce versus open source, it really just depends on who's taking care of you, right? If you have a completely managed solution, then then you're going to get taken care of. Well, but I, I would actually say that, you know, my understanding of Magento Commerce Cloud, of Magento's hosting component, is that while they are on AWS and that does, uh, you know, afford um, certain scalability, it doesn't scale both vertically and horizontally 
um, the way that uh, that we might you know, at, at JetRails set up an environment too. So there are some differences. So it's not just, let's say the, you know, the quick support where we pick up the phones in 10 seconds for, you know, all of your, your hosting, uh, you know, support um, or respond within 15 minutes, you know, for tickets and emails. It's, um, it, it's the actual ability to handle some of the, those bigger unpredictable bursts of traffic where Magento Commerce, by and large, um, you're being put in a hosting environment that's commensurate with your annual revenue. And that doesn't always take into account just how big a spike of traffic you might get um, and just how much resource you might need uh, in a particular moment, like you know, perhaps on a, a major holiday for your business or major sale day or the day you, you get on, you know, on the news or something. Yep, correct. But I, I don't want to focus on <laughs> you yeah. know, um, the the negative side of uh, you know the commerce sure. uh, hosting well, cloud. I, I would say on the positive side that in terms of faster deployment, um, because it is a, a, a more uh, prefab hosting environment, that I, I think they can spin it up pretty fast, um, and, and that that certainly is, is uh, you know has its benefits. Um, you know, not that it takes too long to get a hosting environment up and running uh, with a Magento host, but. Um, but that certainly is nice. Uh, and, you know, coming back to one last piece of the, you know, before we start to talk about the individual features in a little bit more depth, the extensions themselves. So I was mentioning earlier that, you know, hopefully you don't need as many extensions with Magento Commerce. But on the other hand, when you do buy extensions, typically they're at a premium price. Um, and so... And, you know, some people often look at it as gouging. I usually try to be, uh, you know, pretty even keel about it and look at it as if to to say that for those developers to be able to test and support it on the no, 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 no. I, I yeah, it's, it's not yeah, gouging. It's not gouging. Yes, it's not you, that, that you, you have to be able to, to have enough budget there to support a more limited user base because there's going to be typically many fewer users buying an extension Indeed. for the commerce version. Indeed. Yeah, I, I agree. You got to support it. It's not the even the upfront cost of uh, uh, developing the extension. It is the continued support. So those people who charge money to use the extension or they sell extension at a little bit of a premium, uh, bear in mind that, uh, you know, they got money to support it continually. You know, uh, bugs you can report, you can get some support from them normally and uh, years of use of extensions. So it's yeah. it, it costs money to, to support support it indeed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tom, <laughs> back to your last point, I, I would say that look, we've got clients that are happy in both open source and commerce, um, that, it, you know, they're really well fitted with where they are. Um, and, you know, we're happy to support them where they are. And, uh, you know, and, and both versions have a lot of pros uh, in their favor. So certainly uh, no intent on my part to, to knock either version. Um, you know, they're some of the most popular e-commerce platforms, if you want to think of them separately uh, in the ecosystem and for good reason. I would, uh, you know, I, I would add, though, that I think perhaps all of us on the call have run into merchants that we saw on open source that we wondered why are these specific uh, merchants not on commerce and vice versa. Um, you know, they're paying for commerce license and are they really getting value out of it? Is it the right fit? And I think that that's uh, a little bit more. Um, of a conversation is, you know, and sometimes it's because you, you work with developers that maybe focus on one version of the platform and not both. And so, you know, they, they often will steer, uh, you know, steer a client toward what they're confident in and, and what their uh, breadth of experience has been. Um, but uh, let's talk about some of the, uh, some of these front end features specifically today. So uh, Alex, you'd mentioned page builder. Let's dive in a little bit there because uh, as I understand it, um, you know, when page builder was added in, um, you know, so, and there's a history there that we went from the WYSIWYG editors and, and the original, what you see is what you get, um, simple editors for CMS pages and for other content for, for your, let's say your about us page for landing pages for content pages that you might stand up in your site. Uh, then Magento acquired Bluefoot CMS and made for commerce users this, uh, more mm -hmm. powerful content management system available. And now more recently, they've launched Page Builder, which we were originally expecting to be available for both open source and commerce. 
somewhere after the acquisition by Adobe, that plan uh, seems to have changed, and it doesn't look like it'll become, according to you know, to uh, information being shared by the Magento team, doesn't look like it'll become available to uh, Magento open source users. The WYSIWYG editor is is certainly not uh, grown in features. If anything, maybe it's it's even in the eyes of some diminished slightly. Um, so I think that that does leave um, a strong feature set for those Magento commerce users. Um, on the other hand, there is the question of how often you're using it. If you know, if, if you've got developers building out the pages, they're going to do it in yeah. HTML anyway. <laughs> so, Alex, probably right. a good one for you. Yeah, that's a good one indeed, because we deal with a lot of those cases. So I haven't seen a single person using the page builder <laughs> on, uh, on Magento. Uh, reason being that people, um, business owners specifically, uh, who employ, they employ SI service integrators, or they employ third-party developers or in-house developers. Uh, they pay them to uh, create and update the site. Sometimes, so and these developers don't use the page builder. Trust me, they use the uh, their internal systems. Um, they work on CSS. They uh, uh, build their site using their wireframes, and then they just deploy on the on the server and update it uh, their own way. Uh, alternatively, I've seen the front end being on WordPress. That if you want CMS, um, and the back end is on Magento. The, the, these. Uh, 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 unions have been observed as well. So mostly we deal as an SI, as a service integrator, as a development company uh, with those owners that spend the money to build their site and support and update it constantly. And uh, I haven't seen a single person yet who has used the page builder. So it's a nice feature to have, but uh, for those uh, small businesses, you know, mom and pa shop, who's going to build the site uh, himself, but or herself. The problem is paying uh, thirty thousand dollars for the license. Um, you probably uh, spend some money on developers to do it professionally for you. Sure. And you know, in that same vein, I, I would say uh, there are. If you're on open source and you're feeling, especially well, let's say your marketers or your admins that don't know as much HTML, feel a bit hampered, feel like they have to wait. Um, on a developer in order to do things that they want to be able to do more uh, cost-effectively or, or certainly more quickly in some cases. There are some extensions in the Magento marketplace. I'm thinking that now that we know that Page Builder isn't coming to open source, that this might be an area that, uh, that some of the extension developers uh, you know, come around um, you know, and, and build some new tools for. But there are some extensions out there, including uh, I noticed the SaaS extension from a, a company called uh, Drag Dropper. I haven't used it personally. It looks interesting. Um, there, it's something like $15 a month. So uh, if you know of, uh, you know, speaking to our listeners, if you, if you know of a system that you've had some experience with, an extension or um, some kind of SaaS solution uh, or, or some other methodology, we'd certainly love to hear from you how you're achieving it and, um, you know, what you're finding best practice to look like uh, in your organization. Um, because it, it certainly is, uh, you know, feature set that we do see um, a lot of chatter about right now um, since the release of Page Builder. And so uh, in a related area, uh, Magento Commerce includes certain features when it comes to content staging and preview and versioning. Uh, Tom, could you actually tell us a little bit about what uh, what we would consider best practice for uh staging content in a site um, in terms of, uh, you know, deployments and such. So, uh, you, you know, I, where from where I'm sitting, I wouldn't typically be building out new pages in the live site. I, I would expect those to be built um, in, in a, you know, in a local uh, staging or development environment and to get pushed up Indeed. accordingly. Yeah. Uh, Tom, from the, the hosting side of things, what would you think of that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you from the conversations that I hear time and time again, it is very, very quite simple. And what a lot of uh, teams are, are known to do is sometimes overcomplicate things. What I mean by that is listen to the guys that are in the grind doing things every single day that are doing it successfully. <clears throat> if you have a production site 
please don't test changes in production. If you are going to develop, <laughs> go ahead and play around in development, break it, smash it, do whatever you want with it. Once you feel good about it, push it to staging. Now, staging should be a mirror of what you have in production. Run your testing there and then give the keys to one person that's responsible for pushing from staging to production. It is that simple. But time and time again, you know, we'll, we'll see these, um, we'll see different scenarios where, oh, yeah, I didn't have time. I didn't think it was going to do this. I didn't think it was going to do that. And then boom, crash. Very simple. Test in dev, spot check in staging, push to production, end of story. I don't know how much simpler I can make it. And, you know, there are certain facets of this feature set. I mean, for instance, the ability to schedule content that I think are, are pretty useful. So, you know, you don't want to have to have someone standing by to launch new banners for Black Friday and then Cyber Monday that uh, scheduling is nice. Although there are some extensions out there that will let you schedule static blocks or let you schedule, um, you know, different banners in your banner sliders to go uh, live and to stop appearing. Um, so there's... It may not be necessarily a one-to-one -one equivalency with what you'd get with Magento Commerce, but um, if some of those features are important to you, um, there are certain things you can get with some off-the-shelf extensions, uh, let alone customization that, that you could have written for you. Um, so you can certainly try to bridge the gap. And um, Let's talk a little bit about, uh, Alex also mentioned uh, gift cards. Um, that's one that I've actually uh, always appreciated the feature set in Magento Commerce. I'm yet to find a Magento extension. It's probably out there, and, and I'm hoping that someone that hears this is going to uh, share it with me. Um, but most of the extensions that I've seen written, they treat the payment uh, of a gift card as a discount. That's a problem uh, for sales tax collection because instead of um, using a gift card as a payment method, uh, you're using it as a discount, and so um, there's really nothing to be taxed on uh, that you, you're taking away from the subtotal, uh, from the you know, and so the tax doesn't really wind up properly in the total, and uh, and that's an issue. Um, so I don't know of a good off-the-shelf gift card extension today. I'm hoping someone will share it and we'll add it to the show notes. Uh, but um, now I will. Say though, uh, you know, I've I've heard uh, a couple of times from from Alex today. Uh, you know, is it worth thirty thousand? And Alex, I'm sure that your team could build a gift card extension um, for a pretty for less than thirty thousand. Yeah. No, no, so seriously. I, well, first of all, I agree with you, Rob, and I would like to reiterate that most gift card extensions today they treat it as a discount, which is a problem from the tax point of view because um, use company is still taxed on it on that sale, but. Um, the tax is not charged on that sale, so that discounts it. That's correct. So it's not, uh, most extensions don't treat it as such. And uh, so I haven't met a good extension yet in that regard. But yeah, you know, for, is it the gift cards, if it's important for you, there is a plethora of gift card options on uh, uh, Magento Marketplace that you can use. In addition to that, um, if, you know, you have 30,000, you can apply portion of it, a small yeah. portion of it to get a custom solution for you uh, that uh, will tax it properly and apply it where you need it and uh, do whatever you want with sure. it. So yeah, what you can yeah. buy with this money. So I, yeah, or, or, you know, better said, you know, maybe over 100,000 when you think about um, the, the cost, this, that's an annual license. But um, hopefully, though, if you need a wide range of these features that the value starts to add up. And that's where I usually see Magento Commerce really start to win out. And we're only really right now looking at some of these front end uh, features or, or features that, that impact um, the user experience uh, or the ability to deliver that user experience to, on today's uh, episode. But, um, you know, even so gift registry, you know, uh, while we're talking about gifting, uh, I was taking a look in the Magento marketplace, which is, uh, as you've been hearing on this episode, you know where you should be going for Magento extensions because they are going under code review um, and Magento does have eyes on them. I only saw one gift registry extension currently available for Magento 2. It was from the, the MageNest team. I haven't worked with it personally. 
Um, so, you know, there are options out there. Uh, is it exactly equivalent um, in all cases to Magento Commerce? Perhaps, perhaps not. Uh, might be something uh, worth looking at. But I do find that so often that what one individual business wants out of an extension or feature set, uh, you know, the functionality that they're looking for might need a little customization anyway. And so when you're dealing with gift registries, what you want your experience to be, whether you're dealing with, uh, you know, weddings or babies or, um, or other types of registries that, that might come about, uh, might be a little different regardless. So um, it's an interesting one. And, uh, and I'll segue from there into private sales. So uh, in essence, uh, you know, the ability to have products available to certain customers, perhaps for a limited time. Um, in order to uh, drive some exclusivity or to make things available that aren't meant to be made available to the, the general uh, shoppers of the site, just to, to a select few. Um, Alex, uh, what do you think about that in terms of uh, being able to deliver ex an experience like that on open source? Oh, easy. Um, easy peasy because there is Amnesty, well-known extension available uh, on the marketplace that everybody's using who is into that. In addition to that, we've built sites uh, um, where we just create a page that is accessible by password. For example, uh, we're working with some sports uh, apparel company uh, that services um, individual sports clubs. And the sports clubs make their own um, orders uh, for their clientele that is branded with their sports club logo. So how we have implemented it, we have a separate page that is accessible only through um, credentials, login and password of the club and members of that sports club. And then we have a special category for products that um, has a little tag um, by which we identify them um, as the specific group to be posted on that specific uh, page that is accessible only to them. So there are multiple ways to do it, easy ways to use Amnesty as an extension or have a separate uh, dedicated uh, page that is locked uh, for the outside uh, public and only available to the clubs. So there are m multiple ways how you can do it uh, without spending $30,000 on it. <laughs> yeah. And... You know, I, I did notice in the marketplace also uh, an extension from Plum Rocket that specifically targets private sales. I, I haven't used that one. I, I have used the Amnesty one a bunch of times, and I like it a lot. Um, I've used it in B2B applications as well. Yeah, it's very uh, easy to use. Yeah. Everybody and loves it. I'll say that I've always believed in trying to, when you can, get a majority of your extensions from the same provider. This way, they're more likely to be tested uh, to work together. You're less likely to run into conflict. So I've typically... Uh, looked at extensions from teams like Amnesty and Aheadworks uh, that, you know, and certainly others um, that have a volume of quality extensions that provide support that maintain, um, you know, different folks in the community, I'm sure, have different experiences with different extension development teams. Uh, but, uh, you know, next on my list is multiple wish lists. And I was originally looking for the uh, uh, the extension that was available for Magento one from Amnesty that had to do with uh, multiple wish lists and favorite lists that would uh, remain almost a, a little bit closer to a requisition list, um, and it didn't seem like they had made that exact extension available for M two. They had a lighter uh, extension for wish lists, but there were some others like uh, BSS Commerce and uh, Itoris that did have some multiple wish list extensions for Magento two in the marketplace. So. Um, that looked pretty good. And uh, another feature set, uh, customer attribute management. Um, you know, Alex, uh, you know, I, I know I've run into that any number of times where you'd like to, from the Magento admin, be able to add and, and manage some additional customer attributes as opposed to product attributes, um, fields that relate to an individual customer. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's more than just adding a field in the database because you need that to be exposed uh, in the admin, you might have it exposed, uh, you know, to the front end when the user's in their My Account area or perhaps registering uh, for an account on the site, um, mm -hmm. et cetera. So, um, you know, something that, that might benefit from uh, an extension if, it, if you weren't on commerce. Um, have you also used the, uh, the extension from Amnesty for that one? 
you know, Amnesty is used again for that. In addition to um, just a uh, you know logical solution added to one particular field that you uh, spoke about uh, right now. So you add, for example, the same example, uh, sports clubs. Uh, you know, are you a member of any sports club? And then you have a drop down, yes or no, and then a drop down, select a club that you're a member of. For example, this company services, let's say, two hundred sports clubs. And you have, if you're a member of it, you click yes, the dropdown appears, so an additional field. And then you can sort all the clients uh, by this club. That's an easy solution. Or Amnesty, yes. So it's, it's very easy. The functionality exists. If not, it's uh, very easy to logically add it by uh, you know, an add-on field. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a member of Sports Club, click yes and select which one. And uh, that'll lead me into customer segmentation, targeted promotions, uh, and merchandising. Um, now, there's a lot of ways that you can utilize that sort of feature set. So, uh, you know, I, I know I'm trying to stick to front end today, but this one will pull me in a few directions because, uh, you know, I always think of segmentation being uh, important in, in a couple of places, one being for marketing, which usually is going to happen outside of your Magento site. Uh, so promotions that you might send uh, using platforms that'll handle the segmentation and automation, like Emarsis, ListTrack, Bronto, Dot Digital, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there's that offsite component where, with Magento Commerce, you might do you know a little bit uh, natively in Magento, um, but by and large, I've always seen people do it in, in a marketing tech stack outside. But then you've got the question of segmentation. Um, for on-site and uh, for the the shopping experience, for you know what the shopper might see or, or experience while they are visiting the website itself, um, I do know that there are some really great personalization stacks that I've worked with, uh, like High Conversion, um, that that will take the data and let you segment and uh, and do what you need to do outside of Magento and display uh, you know your different adaptations to the user. Uh, automatically. So, you know, you could potentially use something outside. Um, But there are also some extensions, uh, like from Amnesty, you know, of all people. Uh, By this point, I think they should be paying us for this one, right? (laughs) For every every mission of Amnesty, we should be getting uh, X. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what X is, but they do have an extension, right, for for promos where, you know, buy it, right? Just in case you have that just in case you, Rob, has this arrangement, amnesty, amnesty, amnesty. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to tag them in this one. Uh, didn't really see it coming. But um, the, uh, you know, that where you could segment the users into different segmentations within the admin. Um, but, uh, Alex, have you seen um, a lot of good use of that in Magento itself um, in terms of the user experience, uh, segmenting in a way that uh, you might show different, products or offers or content or something else mm-hmm. to different users based on uh, their buying habits or, or some other delineation? You know, I didn't come across it as often as I would like. It's a very interesting um, topic. And with the big data coming in and uh, collecting information from your customer base, you definitely can implement that. For example, I want to target you know women between 20 and 30 years old that are in this particular area. Um, I haven't encountered this, but in some negotiation with prospective customers, um, uh, they mention it from time to time that they would like to do so. And definitely data allows them to to do that. There are multiple ways you can do it by the use of the extension or building it uh, something, custom functionality from scratch. I think it is very, very useful. Uh, for example, I... Um, go to a website and they know my birthday and on my birthday they always show um the coupon hi we know it's your birthday here have a coupon you know 10 bucks off and uh, you know go uh, yeah go crazy with it right don't spend it all in one place <laughs> kind of thing so it's 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 good to have to segment clients and to target and show specific products um to specific demographic, uh, the demographic rather. So I haven't seen it implemented well, but uh, I, in my head, have a dozen of different solutions that I could implement. 
for example. You know, one being used the extension and then uh, others are custom built. Yeah, and hopefully ideas. folks on on average on the size of, uh, of being on Magento Commerce are uh, more likely to be putting some time and effort into things like segmentation um, in general, that they've got a big enough uh, user base you know, big enough customer base to really benefit from it. Oh, yeah, to your point, absolutely. Unless you have the data that you bought from somewhere else or uh, that you have accumulated a large enough user base, uh, this feature is not very useful for you unless you, again, have the data to, to play with. Once you have it, it becomes very, very useful to target specific people at certain times. And so, Tom, let's uh, talk a little bit about site search. And I was really excited with Magento 2.3 uh, with the availability of Elasticsearch for uh, Magento open source users, where previously it was uh, really only uh, for commerce. Now, you know, site search is crucial because if you can't find what you're looking for, if you, you know, don't get the right matches that you should, and you don't think that the store has it, you're going to leave. If you get a bunch of, you know, it's almost like if you had a sales rep saying, yeah, that's on aisle four when it's not on aisle four or saying, no, we don't have that when, when you do. Um, you can really lose a lot of sales off of that. Um, what have, and I know that, you know, a lot of us know folks uh, at, at great teams like Nextopia, Search Spring, there's Instant Search Plus, Clayvu, uh, Hawk Search, Algolia. Guys, am I missing anybody? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. There's uh, you know a few others out there. I'm I'm sure uh, somebody's going to write to me after this. But um, the you know there are things that you can add um, that that have some really strong feature sets to improve your your site search aside from using Elasticsearch. But um, you know, Tom, I know that we deal with on the hosting side Elasticsearch a bit. Um, you know, have you seen any feedback around uh, some of these options? What I wanted to really comment on was what we're kind of alluding to here is user experience and profitability. And there are a couple of different things that um, I want to touch on, but just to answer your question, I'll give you a specific. So we have one client that, that we work with. Uh, I can't mention them, but they sell products to help people stop smoking. And they've benefited from Nextopia specifically from their site search. So how do I answer this question? Um, Nextopia has helped them make the visitor experience that much better. The customer comes in, they kind of have an idea of what they want or they, they've seen something somewhere else and they type it in, out it pops, click a button, boom, it's there. And then they they go, go into the checkout process. Um, From the the server side, is there an additional footprint if they want to use Elasticsearch instead of the native Magento search, or instead of something SaaS like Nextopia? Um, you know, from the JetRails point of view, is is there a, you know a, any any words of wisdom in terms of choosing to deploy Elasticsearch with your site? Would you say maybe uh, you know that it it impacts the the overall cost or yeah, architecture most of the environment? Most we talked to are already kind of familiar with it. And we support it, so it's just a non. So it's a pretty easy. No, so that's a pretty good one. And uh, Alex, have you run into anything interesting on the site search side? Not really. Tom covered it <laughs> very well. In fact, awesome. So I, I wouldn't try um, to top uh, <laughs> Tom's response to yeah. that. And so well, I, another I, thing that, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, Tom, by all means. What, what I wanted to do is kind of shift gears just for a second and talk about um, the revenue because a lot of the people that I think are, that are watching this video are debating. They're on the fence. Maybe they're going, okay, do I go, uh, do I go open source? Do I go commerce? And one of the things I always get down to is, is the juice worth the squeeze? And how can I get my site to generate more revenue and it brings me to an example um, that has just blown me away. Um, I don't know if I can talk about the specifics of them, but uh, you know, there's a client that we work with that sells very, very high-end uh, equipment 
that you can use to um, to hear things. <laughs> so, um, you know, they can charge upwards to, you know, a couple thousand dollars for, for some headphones. And one of the things that they experienced uh, in the past was fraudulent orders and um, the checkout process being kind of long and lengthy and sometimes um, you know abandoned carts were a big issues so when i found out that they were using a uh, bolt for payments that that kind of made me feel good because not only are they able to manipulate you know just modify magento a little bit in that department and give that customer like an aws and not not aws but an amazon style uh, checkout where it's super fast and easy but they were able to um, get an extra uh, about 29 to 30% increase in their conversions uh, just by eliminating uh, the fraudulent orders and streamlining their checkout process. Now, 29% is a big number. And when you take one of their products, let's call it uh, you know these headphones that are $3,000, you get five of those that are fraudulent. That adds up to a big stack of, big stack of cash. So where am I going with this? There are, if you look at the list on, on Magento, on Magento's site, um, open source versus commerce, there are 26 line items. Uh, out of those 26, I'm just doing a quick little uh, count here. It looks like about 14 of them or so are available through third parties. So what, what that's leading me to, to say is a majority of what you can accomplish on commerce, you can do on open source and almost in, in very many cases, you can even do them a little bit better. And please, whoever's watching this video, what, when you're on the fence, just think about it in terms of dollars and cents. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Don't be one of those um, people that we talked to that were scratching our heads going, why are you on open source or why are you on, um, you know, commerce cloud when you really don't need to be there? So that's really all I wanted to do is leave it off with that is make sure the dollars and cents uh, make sense. No, no, I got a business case. To your, to your point, Tom, about switching gears and talking about numbers, it's a business case for every uh, business owner. There must be a little calculus, you know, is it worth it? Um, so I would just build a table in my head or a piece of paper, Excel or whatever else you use, uh, Doc, uh, Google Sheets, um, and put on one side, uh, you know, there's commerce solution. There's $30,000. Okay. It includes this, this, and this uh, functionality. And Alex, not to interrupt, but that's just on the, that's just starting. We work with clients that spend $200,000 a year on the license. So, you know, Oh yeah, thirty up. Yeah, thirty is yeah. a starting point. Exactly, like, it's not thirty. I'm just I'm just giving a, a number, but it could it could be yeah. two hundred thousand dollars for what I know, depending on the size and the functionality that you want. But let's let's say thirty thousand. Okay, on the on the low. This is the lowest, by the way. Thirty grand is the lowest. So commerce. These are the features that commerce has. Um, am I going to use it or my development team going to use it? Probably no to most of it. Maybe some of it, yes. Then on the other side, I would put, okay, open source. Then I need to pay for the hosting. Okay, what this payment will be. Okay, it's less than 30000 Then I'm going to pay developers to, to build it. And then I'm going to include maybe, you know, five, seven, ten extensions that are paid extensions. It's going to be, okay, a couple of thousand there. Um, you know, is it less than thirty? Or two hundred, or one hundred, whatever your number will be, or so that's that's just the uh, the business. And then you know, functionality wise, is my hosting provider are the developers good enough that they're gonna support it? Is my um, hosting provider uh, responsive enough? Is it gonna handle my um, boost in traffic and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, you know, the bottom line is you know price and uh, the uh, quality of support and responsiveness. Yeah, and another thing that's to a add, just just because you're Magento Commerce doesn't necessarily mean you're stuck with the Magento hosted cloud solution that they have. I mean, we have clients that are that are generating $200 million in revenue that they have policies in place. I mean, these are, these are large companies and they have to have an enterprise uh, product. 
yet they still choose to to work with us on the infrastructure side because it's a very very mission critical operation so just for the audience to i, I want them to understand that just because you go commerce doesn't mean you have to be in that little box i mean you still have some options there well and to that extent that just because you go commerce doesn't mean that you don't use a third party for some of these features so just because you could do yeah. certain segmentation in magento natively or use certain you know elastic search or, or site search features um, doesn't mean that you don't bring in a third party as, as often happens so uh, in some cases you're almost you know double dipping um, but it's about what brings you the the best ROI. It's about what brings you value, and, and that's what it always comes down to. Um, that, I'll touch on a few last um, last items that I think, uh, in one way or another, might impact uh, that that front end experience a little bit um, before we wrap for today. And so RMA return uh, management. You get <laughs> your order. You it's damaged. It's the wrong item. Uh, it doesn't fit something uh, about it, uh, you know, just rubs you the wrong way and it's time to return it. Um, obviously, for a bigger operation, you really don't want to be dealing with one off emails or um, or something else. Now, I, I've certainly seen some merchants that um, have a process for handling this through their help desk, through a system like Zendesk. Um, I've seen some that'll use a, a system like ShipStation that actually has a, uh, a return uh, system that you can brand and, you know, might be interesting to get get those folks uh, um, to show us a little bit on, under the hood of what some of the latest is there. But um, there are also some extensions that you could potentially work with. Uh, but it is nice with, with commerce to just have that off the shelf and, and have it ready to go. Um, I'll say that much. And uh, we've got our, our automatic related products, upsells and cross-sells. Um, now, there are established extensions from teams like Aheadworks that'll fit that need. Um, but, uh, you know, you might also even, and from a headwork specifically, I've used some of their other extensions that have to do with, uh, customers that, that viewed this product also viewed this customers that bought this product also bought this. Um, so it's not necessarily, uh, you know, that there's a one size fits all depending on, um, the nature of your customer base, um, how often they're returning, what kind of data you're collecting. Um, there might actually be an extension that, that's more helpful to you in the long run, or um, there might be a personalization engine that you uh, connect to your Magento site that'll be even more powerful and that'll look at even more data points. Um, so I suppose that, uh, you know, that that's another one that it, it's really nice to have something off the shelf, especially if you've got a big catalog. You really don't want to be manually uh, setting your, your related products, upsells and cross-sells. But there are extensions that'll, that'll work for you and there are third parties. Um, and I suppose last, uh, and I'll probably get a little feedback on this one, uh, reward points and loyalty that uh, Magento Commerce has got something off the shelf for that, um, but it, it might not compete head on with, let's say, Smile.io, formerly Sweet Tooth Rewards or Loyalty Lion. Um, uh, Alex, have you seen in for any of these these last items, uh, you know, where maybe, uh, you know, users are going to wind up perhaps adding on one of these uh, SaaS solutions or, or an extension as opposed to maybe what they might get natively off of Magento Commerce. Yeah, you know what, Sweet Tooth is uh, is great. Now it is what, Smile.io, everybody's using that. It's quite popular. So um, third-party extensions, everybody uses. Uh, the fact that they bundled it up with the e-commerce, uh, the rewards is, is nice. But uh, if you're already using it, um, it's not much money. I mean, how much is this uh, extension uh, monthly? Do you, do you have it? Uh, um, I don't have. have the latest. That's a great question. And that might be another one worth wrapping into uh, where we take a little bit of a deeper dive, um, comparing a bit. Um, because I think that there are a good number of commerce users that add on a system like, like Smile.io or, or Loyalty Line. Anything. Yeah, but it, it's double digit a month, right? That's nothing. Yes. Oh, uh, double digit. No, I, I think going into the, the triple digits, yeah, um, as a starting point these days for a lot of this stuff that. Uh, uh, economies <laughs> have shifted a bit, um, but uh, you know, and some is long. My belief on these SaaS solutions has always been: if you're getting a good ROI, it's worth it. Um, and so, for oh, instance, if, if, uh, a site search solution yeah. is going to improve your conversion rate enough and drive enough additional sales to, you know, to to, to give you a ten times profit on your 
your spend. The spend really isn't the question. It, it's about your bottom line. No, no, it's uh, a cost of doing business. Exactly. The same, I, I draw a parallel of that with the brick and mortar, brick and mortar store. So if customer comes in and, you know, uh, they can browse the aisles or they can approach in an associate and the associate will be a search function. <laughs> you yeah. come to an associate and ask them, hi, I'm looking for a, you know, what, uh, a specific, uh, a specific uh, light bulb or a wrench or a specific size t-shirt or shoe. You know, and they say, oh, yes, we do have it. No, we don't, but we have something else. So you would employ an associate from the business perspective and pay the money. So this is a very similar. Um, you you employ an automated search assistant. That's what it is. Uh, who will recommend something, who will search it for you at a uh, much more economical cost than a real person. <laughs> <laughs> Would be if you want, you can employ a chat person and they open up the chat button and they will uh, recommend something you know personalized. But uh, you know, this is automation and uh, it costs much less than employing the real person. So, I always draw a parallel with brick and mortar because people can visualize and are familiar with it. So, it's the same you know, you employ a person to be a search function in the store or assistant. Uh, so, you do the same here, and yes, it costs money, yeah, and it's a cost of doing business. To wrap up for the day, um, I, I think that we've covered a lot. Um, I think uh, anyone still listening in will understand that this is a big topic. And so, uh, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of, of the podcast and video, that uh, we're going to break this one up into sections. And so, we will be tackling other topics uh, that relate to Magento open source and Magento commerce uh, and and how to thrive uh, with either some of the functionality available with either or, or things that you can add um, to strengthen them. And we will certainly be trying to bring in some additional guests for some additional vantage points and feedback. Uh, and, and we welcome your feedback and certainly uh, look forward to incorporating some of that into some of these future episodes. So we do thank you for listening in and uh, we hope to see some of you in a few weeks at Magento Imagine. Uh, <laughs> keep on selling. 